0: Read along with me, uh, and I'll read a um, group of the scriptures I'm going to be sharing from this morning. It's a combination of Psalm 23, Psalm um, Colossians 3, and various other places around the Word. This first verse is from Isaiah 25, and it's been kind of a, a, a verse I've shared before. But this has been sort of a prime verse in my life, just getting the point that God wants to make to us and to me, that he's faithful and reliable, and that's kind of the foundation for everything else. So let me read these verses, and uh, we have them up on the screen for you. O Lord, you are my God. I will exalt you. I will give thanks to your name. For you have worked wonders, plans formed long ago with perfect faithfulness. I will instruct you and teach you in the way which you should go. I will counsel you with my eyes on you. Whatever you do, do you work heartily as for the Lord rather than for man, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance. It's the Lord Christ whom you serve. For he who does wrong will receive the consequences of the wrong that he has done and that without partiality. We're going to be looking today in Psalm 23 as an invitation to be with the shepherd and all that that means. And then we're going to be looking at Colossians 3 as an invitation to to think differently, to think and behave radically, to have an impact on the on the world that's all that is around us today. Um I want to thank everybody, by the way, for your prayers and your notes and um, just your encouragements and over the last six weeks since my mom passed away. Uh, it's just been so encouraging. Um, like a lot of you know, not everybody, but my mom died in her 97th year, and she, uh, she was a matriarch of our family. And she had a big place, so there's a big void. To wrap up and, and uh, step by step it's really been interesting to go through, the, through that time but thank you for your prayers and your encouragements along the way um, this is one of those weeks for me brothers and sisters that it's been terribly difficult um, I woke up Wednesday morning and I got out of bed and kind of stumbled to the dresser and where my glasses are because I can't see too well without them so I put my glasses on And and something was in the back of my mind, but I couldn't remember what it was. So then I took my hearing aids, and I was putting in the batteries and putting my hearing aids in. And I was looking at myself in the mirror, and I said, who's this stranger that I'm looking at? And then I remembered. It was Amy's birthday, our daughter, and she was 46 years old. And I said, I can't believe I have a daughter that's 46 years old. And that was the begin of my, beginning of my terribly difficult week. <laughs> no, it's really a blessing. But um, the one thing that um, struck me in Psalm 23, and, and a reason I wanted to share a uh, bit of that today, is that a couple weeks ago, Valerie and I went to Matt Merrill's um, seminar that he offers. We've been advertising them and offering them, and it's a chance to learn more about listening to the Lord and looking at his word and inquiring of him. And, and the Lord gave me some insights to Psalm 23 that just of all the years that I've read them and read that psalm and thought about that, I just hadn't had. So I just wanted to share those with you. But Psalm 23 is an invitation to be with the shepherd. That's the, that's the central part of the psalm. And, and, I, and the, one of the insights that I had that I really didn't see before is that Psalm 23, I think, is an overview or a linear view of our lives, and it just talks about life with the shepherd and how we meet him in the midst of that. Um, it's an invitation to be with the shepherd and an invitation to grow up in him. You know, the shepherd has a plan in Psalm 23. Uh, he has a strategy but the sheep don't know what the plan is. Their plan is to be with the shepherd. And, um, and they're content to be with him day by day through their lives. Just to be with him. To listen to his voice. To follow him. He'll get us to the destination that we're going. And the sheep get in trouble when they decide they're going to get there on their own. Right? They, and they, we know other scriptures about rescuing them. One day, he might take us to the green pastures that were just at ease and content and at rest. We listen and learn that he's my shepherd, and I shall not want in that place. One day, he might lead us beside the quiet waters, and we learn that he's my shepherd. He restores my soul. I shall not want. Each day we learn how to walk on the paths of righteousness, making godly decisions instance by instance in view of his word, in view of eternity. Each day we learn that. One day we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Who wants to go in that place? I don't want to go in that place. But something happens when we find and we walk with a shepherd through the valley of the shadow of death. Overwhelming theme jump, jumps out to us. He's with us. That we're in his kingdom. We're in his under his authority. His rod and his staff comfort us, even in the valley of the shadow of death. We learn that he pulls us out of the enemy's kingdom. The enemy I love that new song, by the way, that Bobby and the team led us in, because that's exactly um. I think, the message God wants us to get. Our life began when we ran into the shepherd, and and things have radically changed. He puts a spirit in us, and he anoints our head with oil. He prepares a feast for us in the presence of our enemies. He surrounds us with songs of joy and shouts of deliverance. His goodness and his loving kindness continue to surround us. All the days of our life. Why? Because we're with the shepherd. He's reliable and he's trustworthy and he's going to bring us to the end. Then on that day, when these physical bodies die, he will escort us out of death and into life. And we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Then we'll forever be with the Lord. Isn't that a great promise? A great future and a hope that he gives us. And I think the key, one of the keys in our growing up and walking with him is that we get that. We understand that the key is to be with the shepherd. To be in his presence and that he will give us what we need in every day of our lives until he receives us home. That's where we transition from being sheep to being children and sons and daughters of God. Because there's a transition in this psalm, isn't there? That we're sheep by the quiet waters, and then we learn how to go through the valley of the shadow of death. And all of a sudden, we're having a feast in the presence of our enemy, and we're children and heirs of God. And I think that transition happens when we understand that the shepherd is good and that he is leading us on a path that he's chosen every day, every single day. And he wants us to enter deeper into his love, into his light, into the breadth and depth of his love. In Colossians 3, this is a a challenge to us and an invitation to to think radically, radically different than we think. And I think the reason it's the beginning when we start thinking differently, it's the beginning of having an impact on the world that we live in. God wants us to be different than the world that we're living in. Um, and he wants to impact our lives. In Colossians 3, it's really kind of an an interesting thing because the Lord just shatters a lot of cultural norms through through all of history. And one of the biggest ones is that there are spheres. This is spiritual. This is natural. This is what counts. This doesn't count. And what God does is he breaks that all apart and he says, when you come into my family, when you come into my kingdom, there's no longer that division. Your life counts whether you're of great stature in the world's eyes or you're not. Your life has value and your life has meaning because we're God's children. And he wants us to understand the significance of our lives, even the minute things that we would call insignificant, God places value on them. And I think some Colossians 3 brings that out. And and I was just going to take section by section through through this area of the word and just comment on a few things. Whatever you do, the Lord says, whatever you do, not just when you're a church gathered with the believers on Sunday, you're in a small group or you're out preaching the gospel on campus or you're doing this ministry, but he he wants us to look at whatever we do. God sanctifies everything. Everything in our lives count. There's no longer this separation of what's spiritual and what's valuable and what is not. As a matter of fact, in 1 Peter 2, he says this. He says, but you, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy Nation, A people for God's own possession. That's an amazing thing. First of all, priests and kings were not in the same clan. They were separate. And he says that we as children of God, those that have entered into his family, and we are royal priests. He's blended these two different separate cultures. And he's made us that, which is of high status in the world, but a lot of times it's not in people's eyes. God has given us status and position and honor, and he, he wants us to understand that. And he's called us those things, and he's made us those things. He said, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into this wonderful, awesome light. And, and that's our mission. I think that's a great statement of mission. He's strategically placed each one of us in the places that we are in our work, in our families, in our neighborhoods, uh, in our culture, so that we will have opportunities and take opportunities to speak and proclaim his excellencies, that he's changed the course of my life and he's called me out of darkness into this wonderful light. What a... What a great challenge for us and a great job description for us as God's children, isn't it? Here's another verse. It's really kind of an amazing verse to me along the same line. In Proverbs 11.20, it says this. It says, God God delights in righteous people right in the middle of their day-by-day lives. He delights in righteous people living their life. The righteous in their walk is his delight. Do you look at yourself as a child of God that brings delight to the Father? Because a lot of times as believers we just don't. Uh, We see ourselves more, even like Tim was sharing, we're so aware of our sinfulness that we miss the Savior and our forgiveness sometimes. And God wants us to be greatly aware of that. Most people in the world have no freedom of choice as far as their life, their vocation, their families, their circumstances. And yet these verses have to apply to our brothers and sisters around the world that the righteous in their walk is his delight. in whatever they do, Whatever our brethren do, whatever we do, we can do it with all of our heart to the Lord. Um, and, and he makes that valuable. I found this out in a number of instances and places in life, but I think one of, the, one of the first places is when I first came to know the Lord, I was 19 years old, and soon thereafter I was drafted and in the, in the military. And the first part of the military training is that you have a lot of people telling you what to do, and a lot of people yelling at you, and you don't feel like you have any value whatsoever. And, um, and the Lord spoke to me one day, and I think he even gave me this verse when I was reading, but he just said, Mike, you know what? You can clean toilets hardly to the Lord. You can be different than the guys around you. You can be, have a different attitude and a different spirit. And from that time on, I started cleaning toilets hardly to the Lord, and I, I, I never was discouraged about KP duty, guard duty, latrine duty. I did it unto the Lord. And it was freeing and liberating. And, I, and God showed me that even there, when I'm learning to submit, learning to obey, my life has value. And, and if, if mankind doesn't value it, the Lord Jesus does. And it was liberating. And it set my set me free. And I guess... Every day since then I've been learning how to obey and submit because I resisted every turn. Um, but God wants us to do that. The second part of this is do your work heartily with all of your heart. Hmm, what a challenge. How, how are we at doing our work with all of our heart unto the Lord and not to man? wholehearted? With enthusiasm. Are we examples of being hard workers? Men and women of integrity, doing our work unto him. How do we do on Mondays? Are we members of the chorus of disappointment on Mondays? Or are we people that praise God for Mondays? I used to joke around when I was a state employee for I was in, in the state for about seventeen years and and people and I really tried to make a have a heart to rejoice every day of the week and I'd I'd give my coworkers a hard time because they'd usually come in grumbling and complaining and I just says, Oh, are you are you in the class of people that wish away five sevenths of their life? And they'd look at me, you know. And, uh, and, I, and I just didn't want to do that. I just wanted to do my work with all of my heart, knowing that I'm working for the Lord and not for mankind. How do we do changing diapers? Do we do that heartily for the Lord and not for men? Oh, we're doing it for our children, of course, and maybe for us too in some ways. But how do we do with the mundane things of life? how do we do with cleaning the house? How do we do with cleaning and maintaining the cars? And how do we do our work? Do we do it with all of our heart unto the Lord? That's the challenge, I think. In Philippians 2, it says this. You know, I I was raised in a Christian culture where we we, we were radical in sharing the gospel and out on campus and in our neighborhoods and any opportunity, and, and I love that. Um, but Philippians 2 gives us an insight of how we can shine as lights in this dark world. And, and I think all of us that have that evangelical base, we want to do that, right? We want to shine as lights. We want our life to impact. Listen to this verse in Philippians 2, 14 and 15. Do all things without grumbling or disputing so that you may prove yourselves to be blameless and innocent children of God above reproach in the midst of this crooked and perverse generation. Just by living our lives and not complaining and grumbling, God says we can stand out as lights in the midst of this crooked and perverse generation. That's radical living and radical thinking. And also lays a foundation for people to see that we're different. And we will honor the Lord that way. Boy, if you look at the children of Israel in the desert, in the wilderness, and saw what happened when they were grumbling and complaining, I don't want to be in that camp. You know, that wasn't a very nice ending for for them, I don't think. And then the next part. Do you work heartily with all your heart, with enthusiasm, with integrity as for the Lord rather than for men. There are are a few things that really um, rob us of our faith. And one of them is our pride, and and our pride in the area that that we want the praise of men. And the Lord Jesus told the Pharisees in, in John 5, he just said this. He says, how can you believe? When you receive glory from one another and not the glory that comes from God alone. Who do I want the praise of? Do I want men's praise or do I want God's praise? Um, it's not bad to have men's praise and appreciation. But who who do I yearn to get the praise from? Uh, and... Let me tell you, that's one wrestling match that each one of us in the course of life are going to have to deal with because we all want the praise of men. And God wants us to have a higher standard. Paul said in Galatians 1, he says, this is even another radical statement. He said, I cannot be a bondservant of God if I want the praise of men, if I want to be a man-pleaser. I can't can't be a bondservant of God if I want to be a man-pleaser. And we have to take, I think, in our lives in that desire for the praise of men, and especially when we're not getting it, because that's when we want it, right? When I'm doing things that I think are worthy of that, and people don't come and and pat me on the back and give me the praise that I think I deserve, that's the test of it. Um, Not when I'm getting it and people appreciate me, but when I'm not getting it, and I think I should, am I willing to put that at the Lord's feet and say, Lord, you made yourself of no reputation. You made yourself a servant even to the point of death, and God highly exalted you, and I'm willing to submit myself to the same strategy, that God's going to reward me, and God is going to bless me, and he takes note of every good decision I make for righteousness' sake. He makes note of that, and I will receive the reward. Rather than seeking the praise of men, here's what he says we should do. And I love the ongoing nature of this verse. In Colossians 1, it says this. If you're risen with Christ, keep on seeking the things above where Christ is. Set your affection on the things above and not on the things of the earth, for you're dead, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. So that ongoing nature, situation by situation, day by day on the journey, when if things don't go the way I would like them to go, and I don't get the praise that I think I should praise, get, then I keep on committing myself to him who judges righteously. I keep on giving myself and drawing near to him. Uh, and it says that I can do that knowing something. In the, in the scriptures, you see that, that word a lot. You behave this way if you know this is going to happen. And like in James 1, um, count it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance and allow endurance to have its perfect work in you. So I, if I know God's plan and what he's up to, then in the very rough circumstances in life, I, can, I know what's happening and I can make decisions based on God's truth. In the long in the long uh, run, rather than the immediate run, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance, and I love that. Knowing with absolute certainty, this is insider information, brothers and sisters. If you want to receive God's inheritance, He's telling you exactly what you're going to get. It's you can bank on it, you can count on it, even though you have no clue of how it's going to work out. We we know that we will receive the reward of the inheritance. And you know what? We haven't even begun to comprehend the slightest part of what that is, have we? we? Have no clue of what that is. We have a taste of it now. We have a down payment of it now. But God says, You haven't your eye hasn't seen and your ear hasn't heard, neither is entered in the heart of men the things that God has prepared for those that love him. But we have to learn to make our decisions based on the reliability and credibility of the one who gives the promise, the Lord Jesus, and the, one who, uh, and the one who gives his word to back that up. I can do these things. I can die to myself. I can live this way if I know that from God's hand I'll receive the reward of the inheritance. We have to be convinced, like it says in Hebrews 6, that God isn't going to lie. God, it's impossible for God to lie. So we can claim every verse that we read and say, God, you're, you're going to keep this. I don't know how you're going to keep this, but this is what I'm putting my future and my hope in. <clears throat> it's the Lord Christ whom you serve. I'd like to just point you to Psalm 116, and we're not going to go into it, but that's an awesome song. Psalm about a person that gets this, that's living their life in terms of eternity and making decisions day by day because of that rather than because of the immediate. And God, that's what sanctification is, that we learn to do that. And for he who does wrong... What about people? What about evil people and people that do wrong? He who does wrong will receive the consequences of the wrong that they have done and that without partiality. And a number of instances in my life I, I I've seen the reality of this verse. <clears throat> there was one instance where I was working with the state of Arizona and this one one guy um, was the biggest goof off there was. And he didn't do his work, and he and he he took long lunches and long breaks. And I'm here trying to be faithful and doing what I'm doing. And everybody loved this guy. And it was just like, oh, it was just so irritating. Like, don't you guys see what I see? And I just wrestled with that. And one day, one day, I took my little Gideon's New Testament that I always carried with me, and I went on in this back hallway um, in, in one of the state buildings, and um, and I cried, literally cried out to God and said, God, this isn't fair. Um, I've tried to be faithful in doing my job. I've tried to do above and beyond, and it just isn't fair. And I said, I've tried to obey this verse Whatever you do, do you work hardly for the Lord and not for men, knowing from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance. It's the Lord Christ whom you serve. And I said, Lord, I tried to obey that, and it's just not fair. And the Lord spoke to me in my heart. What's the next verse? Hmm, I didn't know. So I opened up the word, and it says, And whoever does wrong will receive the consequences of the wrong that he has done, and that without partiality. And I closed my little Gideon's New Testament, and I said, Lord, I will never punch another person's time card again. I will never worry about what they're doing, right or wrong. I just commend them to you. Commend this guy to you. And, and, I, and it was an issue that was settled for me. And within six months, he was no longer in this in state employment because he didn't do well. And even in that time, though, I had a chance to share the Lord with him and talk to him about Jesus, and and it was just a wonderful thing. But God pointed me to this last part of the verse, and I just said, I didn't know that. And I could commit myself into God's hands, who judges righteously. I can commit the evil in the world that's going on around me that I can't comprehend and I don't like to God, who judges righteously as well. I can do that. For he who does wrong will receive the consequences of the wrong he has done. There was a 19th century rabbi, um, and he challenged his congregation with this. He says, Where does God exist? And they were puzzled by what he said, like, Whoa, is this blasphemy or heresy? God exists everywhere, right? God exists everywhere, they said. No, the rabbi responded, God exists wherever man lets him in. And I thought, that's pretty cool. God is is inviting us to come to him. God is inviting us to walk with him. God is inviting us to live radically different than the world lives. And he's waiting for me to invite him in and accept that invitation um, to walk radically different to walk with him and trust him to see what he does and actually that adds to the adventure of life I found that God wants, wants us to live in that realm um, let's just go ahead and close right here I think that's a good place to do that and um, and I'd like to invite Bobby and the team to come up <clears throat> What do we do with this? Well, it's a matter of day by day and instance by instance, situation by situation. We recommit ourselves to walking with the shepherd and to living differently and letting him do his work in our lives, right? There's a keep on process, instance by instance, situation by situation. Here's the invitation. Um, The Lord gives us an invitation to walk with him walk with the shepherd, and to live radically different. And he wants us to take that invitation. Jesus said, remember in, in Revelation, he says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock, and if any man hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come into him. He's talking to believers there. There's an intimacy and a level of fellowship that he wants to have, an intimate, uh, uh, a level of commitment that he wants us to have. Um. And he wants us to accept that invitation, and he wants us to invite him like Mary did. Lord, what Gabriel had to say is pretty interesting. And I want it to be done to me according to your word. I can't do that. I don't know how it's going to happen. But yeah, Lord, I'm receiving that invitation, and I want to walk with you, and I want your will to be done in me. Have your way in me. And he will do that very thing. So let's, uh, let's see. We're going to be having communion too. Let me just jump into that for a second here. Um, <clears throat> now we come to the table, which is our tradition to do this weekly. And we have an opportunity to share together and remember what the Lord Jesus has done and how he opened this door and how our new life began, as we sang earlier it's a, it's a remembrance of the past, that Jesus was faithful in coming and dying for us. And it's a remembrance, too, of his faithfulness today, the present, that he is our shepherd, that he is committed to engage in our lives, that he is committed to bring us to the end. And it's a, and it's a remembrance of the future, that how long do we do this? Until he comes. And, and to refresh our memory and to bring ourselves close to him. Um, Uh, we have an open table if you're a follower of the Lord Jesus and ask him to come into your life join us in breaking bread Um, and then we'll close things down after after we share the table together Psalm 32 verse 8 I will instruct you and teach you in the way which you should go I will counsel you with my eye upon you Do not be as the horse or as the mule which have no understanding, whose trappings include bit and bridle to hold them in chuck, otherwise they will not come near to you. Many are the sorrows of the wicked, but he who trusts in the Lord, loving kindness shall surround him. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, you righteous ones, and and shout for joy, all you who are upright in heart. Brothers and sisters, we're called and we're sent out to be lights in this dark world. And it only makes sense that if we're called to be with the shepherd, that we be with the shepherd. That just has to be foundational. And, I, and that's what I hope we'll commit ourselves to, to being in his presence and hearing his word and walking with him. You're dismissed.